Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and we're talking all things recruiting on the show today. If you listen to this podcast, then I'm very confident that you are very well aware that today was one of the biggest days on the recruiting calendar as the early signing period opened today. It actually runs through Friday, but it opened today. Technically, we call this the early signing day, but it goes through Friday. The average fan on the street might not know that, but I know you guys aren't the average fan on the street. And it has been one of the crazier signing days that we've had in a long time. So we will break it all down for you momentarily. But first, I do want to remind you guys for your next trip to the Classic City, make sure to book your stay at the Normal Town Cottage. There is no better place to stay in Athens. Three bedrooms, kitchenette, living room, big screen TV, free tree-lined parking, beautiful neighborhood, safe, convenient, comfortable, everything you look for in a stay. You've got great bars and restaurants, very unique, cool bars and restaurants, just a short walk away. Downtown's just down the street. So whether you're coming to town for a concert, to see family, friends, relive the glory days, maybe a basketball game, who knows, whatever your reason is, make sure to book your stay at the Normal Town Cottage. Okay, signing day. Wow, uh, a lot of twists, a lot of turns this time around. Some good, some not so great for the dogs. But hey, it sure was a hell of a lot of fun to follow it all day, and really all week. I think we can say we definitely got our money's worth today. I think it's fair to say at this point, right? Now, to be honest with you, for the show today, I wish I had a more organized show for you. Normally, I take pride in that, having like a detailed outline to work off of. We always have a show agenda. But believe it or not... My power has been out for a little while tonight, so I don't have anything like that. I was waiting. I I'd put together a few ideas before the evening announcements. I was waiting on a couple of those announcements that were coming down at 6 o'clock and 6.30, Shamar James, for example, and I was waiting on some of those announcements to be made before I like finalized everything. And then I experimented with the new Twitter Spaces thing, which actually was really fun. It worked out really well. Had a lot of people come in there, had some great interaction with some of our listeners. So we'll do that again. I'll try to give you guys more advanced notice on that. It was kind of a, a spur of the moment thing. I was actually taking a shower when I got home. I was like, you know what, let's give it a shot. A couple people have been asking me to give it a shot. 
And so we went on there on Twitter and uh, had some good conversations with a lot of our listeners. That was a lot of fun. So we'll do that again. I'll try to give you more notice. But right as I sat down to eat dinner, I was going to come record the show after dinner, start preparing for it after dinner and get the show recorded. My, uh, my power went out. So that was fun and obviously my wi-fi was out so didn't really have much of a way to put things together other than like sitting there and trying to type out some things like on my notes on my my phone app but uh yeah so this is gonna be a little bit all over the place and with that in mind i i think the best way to do this is i i was able while my power was out sitting there on the sofa i was able to put together a few talking points i'm sure i'm not going to hit on everything but I, I went through the day's events the the events earlier this week and i tried to put together a list of, of the good the bad and, and just kind of give you an idea of where my head is on some of the bigger storylines bigger headlines that came out of georgia's national signing day we are definitely not done talking the 2022 recruiting class Curtis was not able to get on the show today. He had his final law exam and was heading home, so we couldn't get him on here. But I know that he has plenty of things to say about it, so we will definitely revisit this. And we'll, we'll revisit this class again when we get to the traditional signing day in February. That's when we'll do our, our signing class superlatives and all those things. There'll be plenty of mailbag opportunities for you guys to get your questions in, and we'll certainly cover all that stuff over the next couple of weeks. But I did want to kind of just give you my, my initial reactions to some of the bigger headlines that came out today. So we will go ahead and get started with it. And at the top, let's start with the bad news. I know when you're talking about recruiting, you guys that follow recruiting as closely as I do, and again, if you're listening to this show, I, I'm pretty confident saying that is you. This is not a casual show. This is not a fluff show, and we do not have casual fans. I, I know what you guys are about, and I know how much this stuff means to you because it means that much to me. And when something means that much to you and you want something to succeed as much as you want the Georgia football program to succeed, what tends to happen more often than not is that we tend to kind of blow up and magnify the things that don't go so well. Like when we lose a game to Alabama, which was a bad loss, don't get me wrong, we blow that up. Maybe even, I would say out of proportion, we still didn't make the college playoff and are like, hey, the season's over. It does, nothing mattered. We went 12-0. and 0, you, get, you instantly forget about those things. You say, oh, we just we lost this one game. And we get fixated on that. And recruiting is no different, right? Because it's it's the lifeblood of a college football program. So we're going to lean into that because I know a lot of you are upset about some of the things that did not go our way today. And we'll start with Kamari Wilson. Safety out of IMG. IMG, by the way, has been very good to us, but not so much with Kamari Wilson. He has been a longtime Georgia lean going back to the summer. I have it on very good authority from a, from a very good source that has been good to me in the past that he's been a silent for a while, but he obviously did not end up signing with the Georgia Bulldogs. He ends up signing, not only did he not sign with Georgia, he signs with our rival, Florida. Billy Napier and staff were able to get it. Now, you can't really come a flip if he wasn't publicly committed, but again, I do have it on pretty good authority that he was a silent committee, ends up signing with Florida. Now, he's a guy from Florida, is at IMG. And I know a lot of people are wondering, like, hey, what happened? I've got a couple of questions today already. Hey, Tyler, what happened with Kamari Wilson? Curtis actually texted me while he was driving. Hopefully he wasn't actually driving. Hopefully he pulled over somewhere. Like, what happened with Kamari Wilson? And I didn't really have an answer right away, so I kind of put out some feelers. And what I've been able to gather to this point, and look, I will say this when it comes to the information I get in recruiting. And I said this on the Twitter space that I did earlier today. Take everything I say on recruiting in terms of where guys are going or not going with a, with a tremendous grain of salt because the information I get is from it's from people that are kind of around the program and they're notoriously up and down, I would say, with the information you get. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not so good because they get one side of the story and they don't get the total picture. So 
the information I get, sometimes it proves to be accurate, sometimes not as much, especially when it comes down to like, hey, what are our chances with this guy? And that's really honestly why I don't bring like a ton of recruiting nuggets or information to the table here on the podcast because I don't always trust that information and I'd rather not like kind of lead you astray, tell you one thing and end up not being true. Cause then the fact is with recruiting, things change in an instant. We're talking about, you know, high school age kids. These guys change their minds in an instant. They are being sold very different things by a lot of different coaches who are, let's be real, these coaches when it comes to recruiting, they're professional salesmen. That's exactly what they are. So I just say that to caution you, just, you know, take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt. I'm not saying it's 100% fact. I'm just passing along what I have been told, okay? That's all I'm doing here. And what I was told with Kamari Wilson is essentially, this is an NIL casualty. Him and Shamar James, actually. We're gonna get to him next. He's next up on my list of talking points here. Both these guys have been Georgia leans. Uh, Kamari Wilson for much longer. Shamar James was previously committed to Florida. Then he backed off. But what I was told is that both these guys are NIL casualties. They were just given uh, really strong offers by Florida, and they came back and uh, were trying, you know, kind of bidding us against each other. And at, at one point, we obviously at some point we finally just backed out and said, "No, we're good, man. We're, we're, we're we've made you our offer, and we're not going to go any further than that." And I know that gets kind of in, in my initial thought when I was told, I was like, "Well, so you're basically saying our coaches are, are organizing this stuff?" And they, it's it's. There's a lot of gray area, guys, when it comes to NIL. You saw that with Travis Hunter today, right? There's a lot of gray area. There's a lot of loopholes. Our coaches are not setting things up, but our coaches know people. They can put these guys in contact with people who can set up the NIL deals for them. But it's just the Wild West when it comes to that stuff. In Billy Napier, Florida, they uh, made some strong offers. And look, it wasn't like Billy Napier is making the offer. But again, the people connected with the Florida program who are giving out these NIL deals they made a very strong offer. It's, it's kind of, let's go, let's go like Deion Sanders in Jackson State. So Deion Sanders, Barstool, they've had a relationship. Deion was working with Barstool before the head coaching job at Jackson State. You can't sit here with a straight face and tell me that Deion Sanders was not aware of, it was not at some level involved in the discussions for the NIL deal that they ultimately offer, this million dollar plus NIL deal they ultimately offer, offer Travis Hunter. Of course he was involved. Now, is he the guy giving him the money? Is he the one that put the entire offer together? Is it his company? No, it's not that, but it's certainly a company that he has a relationship with and was able to kind of set Travis Hunter up with it. So those kind of things are happening uh, around the country. It's not just Jackson State. It's not just Georgia. It's not just Florida. It's not just Texas A&M. It's not just Alabama. It's, it's, it's going on around the country. And it's certainly going to be a hot button issue now. I think this Travis Hunter deal might really be the catalyst for the NCAA to try to put some sort of restrictions on NIL. I don't know exactly what that looks like, whether it's guardrails. I don't honestly exactly know what they can do because I don't think you can just put the NIL genie back in the bottle. Once the genie is out of the bottle, it's out of the bottle. I don't know how you do that. Congress might have to ultimately get involved. Because look, the NCAA, we've seen it lately. They're taking a step back when it comes to Power 5, especially when it comes to like Power 5 football. I don't know that they have the authority to really do much about it because if they step in too much, if the Power 5 conferences don't want them to, the Power 5 conferences eventually could just break away from the NCAA entirely. That's been talked about for a long time. They've kind of already done that with the college football playoff. The NCAA has nothing to do with the college football playoff. So maybe it's something to do with Congress. I don't know, but what's what it's going to take ultimately is these five power five conferences are going to have to get together and, and agree something's got to be done and they're going to have to agree on what needs to be done but nil is here to stay it just remains to be seen what form it's going to stay in. like i have no problem with players getting paid that's the thing like when you say hey something's got to be done to reform nil people are like well what you're against like 
players getting paid? You want them to be unpaid labor? No, that's not all I'm saying. I want these guys to get paid. They deserve to profit off their name, image, and likeness. They should have been doing that for years and years and years. But what we have now is literally programs just buying players. They're bidding on players. And, and, and maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. And maybe this was the inevitable consequence, the inevitable byproduct of opening the NIL door. I don't know. But you've got to believe there's going to be a push to do something to reform the NIL laws. I don't know what that's going to look like and how long it's going to take, but you got to believe that push can be made there. Now, that's what I've been told as to why we lost Kamari Wilson and Shamar James. But what does that mean? What, what is the, the, the loss mean to our program? How big of a loss was that? Kamari Wilson, I'm not going to see here in, in Shurikota for you. That that was a that was a blow. This is a guy that we've been recruiting for a long time, put a lot of effort into recruiting, had been a silent for a while, that's what I've been told. And the last second he flips and goes to Florida. But, well, again, it's not he wasn't a public commitment, so not technically a flip, but, but kind of a flip. And that's at a position of need. Safety is a position of need. We're more than likely going to lose both Lewis Seen and Chris Smith, although there are some rumors that Chris Smith could potentially return next year after you know dealing with the injury the, the back half of this year, the last month or so. That's certainly possible, but I'm not going to bank on that. I've kind of always operated under, under the assumption this year that both those guys are going to be gone at safety, and it'd be a pleasant surprise if one or both of them stays. A really pleasant surprise if both stay. I don't see that happening, but I guess it's possible. Uh, but Chris Smith, there's a rumor out there. I don't have any hard information on that. I, I need to ask about that. I had a chance to. My power went out and uh, was focused on that. So I'll try to get some more information on that. I don't, I don't know if I'll be able to hear anything, but I'll, I'll dig around a little bit. But let's just say they're both gone. I mean, who do we have at safety next year? Dan Jackson? Okay, Dan's been solid for us, but is I mean, is he your long-term answer? I don't know. I think he's more of a depth piece person. I don't know if he can be your long-term answer there. David Daniels, the guy who's flashed at times when he's had opportunities this year, I think he'll certainly be a strong contender. And then you've got, of course, the big one. You've got Malachi Starks from Jefferson, who's the top-rated recruit in our recruiting class this year. And that guy's a freaking monster. He's a stud. And that's why, honestly, I'm not freaking out that much about Kamari Wilson. Because when you have a guy that plays the same position and Malachi Starks, at least he projects to play safety, when you already have that guy in your class, that gives you a cushion against a loss like that. And let's be real, guys. I mean, yes, we, we didn't land Kamari Wilson, but our DB class is still a truly elite DB class. I don't think, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I haven't seen everybody's class, but you look at the top teams out there, there is not a team that has a better defensive back class than we have this year. Now, if we had landed Kamari Wilson, maybe could have made an argument that, hey, this could be right up there as a contender for the best DB class of all time. Certainly up there. And even without him, it's still really, really good. Because you look at it, I mean, we have three five stars in the defensive backfield. You got Malachi Starks, who's probably going to play safety, maybe can play star a little bit. James Singletary is a cornerback out of Florida. Uh, Dan Ever, the guy that we were able to get from Clemson, he was committed to Clemson for a while. We flipped him. Those are three five stars right there, guys. And that's not even mentioning guys like like Julio Humphrey, guys like Ja'Cory Thomas. Not even mentioning those guys. So Stevens the backfield this in this class is absolutely lights out. And there's always going to be some cross-training. We always cross-train guys anyway. Maybe a guy like Tyke Smith could, could go back and play safety next year. We have some of these young guys maybe play that star position. There's a lot of options there. So it's a loss. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. I would, of course, love to have Kamari Wilson. I'm not going to sit here and say Kamari Wilson is not good. I think Kamari Wilson is a really good player. He's going to be a good player for Florida. But we are, and, and I think we're going to be in better shape than people realize that safety next year, even if both guys end up leaving. I don't think it's a, it's a death blow by any means. Shamar James at linebacker. Again, I'm not going to sugarcoat this one. 
I really wanted Shamar James. He is a really good inside linebacker. You guys that listen to the show for a long time, you know uh, I'm, I'm kind of a, a linebacker guy. That's what I used to do by trade, playing and coaching. And uh, I love me some linebacker plays. Shamar James is a stud, man. I mean, he, he can strike people. He moves well. I really wanted him. I was really excited when it seemed like we were going to get him. He was previously committed to Florida when the whole coaching staff changed. He decommitted. It looked like we were certainly trending in the right direction for him. He was here over the weekend for an official visit, but ends up signing with Florida. And uh, all signs come out of the the weekend was the official visit went really well. And again, I was told he's another guy that just got a really strong NIL offer from Florida, from the Florida people. And uh, that kind of put them over the top. But again, it's it's very similar to safety. Inside linebacker, I'm not going to sit here and say it's not a position of need because we are losing our top three inside linebackers. At least I I strongly project us to lose all three of those guys. Maybe Channing Tindall comes back, but highly unlikely. We're going to lose those guys, and we have very little experience depth coming back, but we have some really good players. Uh, Dimash Johnson I really like. I think that Ryan Davis, if he can ever stay healthy, is a talented player. You say the same thing about Tresman Marshall. I really, really love the upside of Smile Mondin. And here's the other thing. Also, like safety, we have a guy like Malachi Starks to cushion that blow. It really makes you feel better. Yeah, you lose Shamar James, but when you have an inside linebacker, the caliber of Jalen Walker, that's already in the class, already signed, sealed, and delivered, that really cushions that blow as well. Because I'm going to tell you guys right now, here's another take for you. Jalen Walker is the next great inside linebacker at Georgia. He's the next one line. We have some good guys in the roster right now. I really like Mon and his upside is tremendous. He needs to put on some weight, but I love the upside. Dimash Johnson has done a, a really good job for us in spot duty this year. Actually got some playing time in the SEC Championship game. I still like Ryan Davis. I still like Tresman Marshall. I like their upside. They haven't been able to stay healthy and haven't really got much on the field, but I like what they bring to the table. But I'm telling you, Jalen Walker, I believe, has the highest ceiling of all those. In fact, I think Jalen Walker might have the highest ceiling of any in this class in terms of like what his NFL future holds. I would throw Malachi Starks in there as well, maybe Jaheim Singletary. I love Oscar Delp as well. Uh, Branson Robinson is going to be a really good running back, but it really, that guy might be Jalen Walker. So as good as Shamar James is, as much as I would have loved to have Shamar James, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bad talk him here. He's a really good player. Florida got a good one. I don't like the fact that he went to Florida, but I like Jalen Walker more. And the fact that he is on, on our commit list, and he's going to be a Georgia Bulldog as an early enrollee. I feel really good about that. So again, I don't like that we lost Shamar James, but we're okay. I'm not freaking out about that. And then the other guy, I guess one more bit of bad news here, Marcus Groves Killebrew, who had been committed to uh, to the dogs for about a year and a half, going back to like the summer of 2020. You started to hear this yesterday on, on signing day eve, but he decided to flip his commitment and go to Texas A&M. And I started digging around about this last night because I was like, where's this coming from? So I was asking people like, well, what's going on here with this one? And again, take this with a massive grain of salt. Not telling you this is fact. It's just passing along what I heard. So I hate doing this. I hate passing along recruiting information because there's just, there's a lot of misinformation out there. It's hard to parse through like what's real, what's not. Because uh, the people the people that I get this from, they tell me what they hear, but what they hear might not be true either. But I'm just going to pass along here. It's signing day. I know this is, guys, this is what you guys want. and try to make sense of why did Groves Killer Brew, after a year and a half, decide to pack up his bags and, and go to Texas A&M? Well, what I was told is that you know, we told him, you still got a spot. We still want you. Definitely have a spot here. But he was planning on being an early enrollee, and we, at, we approached him about potentially not being an early enrollee. And he didn't take too kindly to that. I can kind of understand that, to be honest with you. If that's indeed what happened, this guy's been on our commit list for a year and a half, and we're basically telling him, hey, 
we know you've been loyal to us. We know you've been here for a while and, and you've you've been strong to us, been solid to us. But this guy that we just got recently, you know, he wants to be an early enrollee too. We kind of want him to enroll early more than you. And you kind of prioritize those guys over the guys who've been committed for a year and a half. I can understand if that's indeed how it went down. I can understand why he'd be frustrated with that and why his feelings might get hurt there and get all up in your feelings and uh, and look at other options. I do understand that. And he also put in the work. If he's ready to be an early enrollee, he put in the work and the planning to put himself in the position to graduate early and be able to enroll early. And now you're telling him, hey, man, no. And he's like, well, what am I going to do for the next five, six months? So you go to another place that you can enroll early. So I think that's, that's that sounds reasonable, and that's what I was told. So um, that's just what I'm just going to pass that along again. Massive grain of salt there, but uh, losing a guy like Marcus Groves Killebrew, he's it does it's nothing that doesn't help. But I'm certainly not going to lose sleep over that when I think he could grow into a good player. I don't think he was going to be an immediate contributor, um, but you'd like to have him on your on your on your roster, sure. But he's certainly a replaceable loss in the long run. Certainly not a guy that I'm going to lose a lot of sleep over. I, I would I would lose sleep over losing Kamari Wilson and Shamar James before I would lose sleep over Groves Killebrew. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, so that's the stuff I know people are frustrated with, upset about. Well, let's talk about some good stuff, guys, because there is a lot of good news here. And I'm going to start with two guys that committed actually not today on sign day, but yesterday. And I would throw this out there, too. It's kind of funny the way this works. What if Dalen Everett, five-star cornerback, and C.J. Smith, a blazing fast four-star wide receiver that was formerly committed to Florida, what if they had waited a day and committed on sign day? How different would the feeling be for a lot of Georgia fans today than it is based on, because a lot of people are focusing on like, oh, we lost Kamari Wilson. How do we lose Kamari Wilson? I thought he was going to go to Georgia. I thought he was a shoe-in for Georgia. We lost Shamar James. Marcus Groves, Killebrew, Flip. People focus on that. And, like, and they, like what happened yesterday with, with Everett and CJ Smith, that's yesterday's news. We just forget about that. It's kind of like the regular season. Yeah, we went 12-0, and but we lost the SEC Championship game. Screw what happened back then. I'm focused on this. And I get it. The SEC Championship game is the bigger game. I understand. Maybe it's not the, the best analogy. But it's, it's just one of those things that makes you wonder. Like, what if those guys just waited one day? How different would the fan base at large feel about how we close? Because there's been some things I've seen today and heard. People are like, well, Kirby didn't really close as strong as he has in the years past. It was like, well, I mean, he did land a five-star. 
that was previously made to Clemson, did land a four-star wide receiver that's got world-class speed. Well, okay, world-class might be a little strong, but a very, very fast wide receiver. What if we had waited until today to make those announcements? What if they had waited to commit on actual sign day? Would people feel differently? I think the answer is probably yes. I think a lot of people would probably feel a little different, but look, I'm really excited, but I don't care when they announce. I'm really excited about these guys. Everett's a guy as a cornerback who's not maybe as long as a guy like Singletary and Humphrey, but is really polished. I think he's the most polished of the cornerback prospects that we have coming in this class. You can tell he's really coached well at IMG. Does a really good job of staying in phase, watching the ball, getting his head around, trying to make a play on the ball, watching receiver's eyes, you know, when to make a play on the ball. Does a really good job of all those things. He's also very, very physical. So he's a good fit for kind of our press man coverage style. I really, really like him. I do think he's a true five-star guy. CJ Smith's a guy that I'm really intrigued by. He's only listed like 6'1", 180, but when you turn his tape on, his highlights on, he looks, maybe it's just me. Any of you who have watched the tape, just let me know if I'm crazy, but he looks on tape way bigger than 6'1", Maybe it's just the way his pads fit him. I don't know. He looks bigger than what he's listed on, on the 247 composite site, but regardless, he does have insanely good track speeds, a 10 8 a hundred meter guy, which is like Arian Smith level stuff coming to high school. And that's 10 to eight as a junior in high school. So talk about speed. We, like, we need game breakers on offense at the receiver position. He's a guy that has the potential to do that. Now, my concern with him is the same thing has been with Arian Smith. Arian Smith, when he's been on the field, has shown that he is a playmaker almost every time he gets on the field. He's just making plays when he's out there. The problem is he's been out there so sparingly. I mean, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. His freshman year, it's the wrist. And then this year, uh, it was it was a lower extremity issue. And then he gets bangs knees, and then he's he's he breaks his leg, and he's out for the rest of the year. And C.J. Smith in high school has a similar track record. He tore his ACL as a freshman and broke his collarbone as a, as a sophomore, was dinged up with various injuries as a junior. So he's had a tough time staying healthy, too. Um, and that concerns me. You know, we, we don't want him to follow that same path, and hopefully it's just one of those things or it's a couple of freak, uh, different freak injuries and it's not like a pattern or a, him being injury prone or anything like that but it's certainly something to watch is the comparisons with Arian Smith go beyond just the track speed it's also the injury history so if we can keep him healthy this guy could absolutely be a big time playmaker for us on offense and I, I'm really really glad that we were able to land him and, and get him from Florida he was committed there for a while and decommitted about a week ago and we were able to get him in for an official visit this past weekend knocked down the park and he is now officially a bulldog uh, now, I guess this is, well, I don't know if it's, it's yeah, I guess we classified as bad news. I should include this earlier. Uh, Smoke Bowie, a guy that had been committed to Georgia for a while, then over the summer decommits and, and, and flips to AM. There was some talk, some smoke, pardon the pun, that he was um, potentially going to be flipping back to Georgia. Started to hear that a lot last night. That died down earlier today. And the, I, I, he's one of the guys I was waiting on. He's like, is this guy going to officially sign somewhere? We don't know. Is he going to hold off and wait till January or February? But um, I, what, about 6.30 or so tonight, he actually went public and uh, apparently, allegedly, signed his letter of intent to go to Texas A&M. So that's the guy we missed out on. And honestly, he's a guy... He's kind of an athlete. Initially, we were recruiting him as a DB. I always felt he was better with the ball in his hands. He's so electric with the ball in his hands. It's almost like it's one of those things where it's tough to take the ball out of his hands. And so I wanted him as a receiver. And apparently, we were telling him, like, hey, dude, like, we, we, we see if you want to play receiver, we can see you at receiver. And I would have loved that. But he ends up sticking with Texas A&M. And, and that's fine. It's another guy I would love to have him. Absolutely. And it's another thing that's kind of it's about how you look at it. It's about perspective. If we had not started to hear the rumors last night, that, oh, Georgia might get 
smoke buoy. We might be able to flip him back. Would any of you have been that disappointed today that he didn't sign with Georgia? They signed with AM? Like, we've been there. We've done that. We've forgotten about that. We've moved on. We've signed other guys. Because we initially recruited him as a DB. We've, we've replaced him with better DBs. Now, I would love to have him a receiver, but it's just one of those things. It's perspective. People are flipping out, like, oh my God, like, we didn't get Kamari Wilson. We didn't get Shamar James. We, we, we weren't able to flip Smoke Bowie. Kirby couldn't close. Jimbo closed over him. It's like, well, if you hadn't heard that rumor yesterday, you wouldn't really have thought anything of it. So it's just a matter of perspective. I'm not going to sit here and say it's. It's not like somewhat of a loss. Of course, as a guy's a really talented player, I'd love to have him on offense. But again, I don't think it's one of those debilitating losses. Now, let's get to some more good news. Maybe the biggest news of the day for us. And look, I'm a cup half full guy when it comes. I, at least I'm trying to be more of a cup half full guy. I'm, I'm getting better at that in my old age. I'm trying to look at the positives here, and this is a massive positive. This is maybe why I'm not that upset about Kamari Wilson and Shamar James, because I felt the outside linebacker was a much bigger position of need for us in this class. Think about this, guys. Think about what our outside linebacker depth is going to be next year. Very likely, we're going to lose Nolan Smith. Probably gone. It'd be a miracle if he decides to come back. I don't see it happening. Adam Anderson is not going to play for the Georgia Bulldogs again. I guess you never say never. Highly, highly, highly unlikely he will play for us again. So what do we have come back at outside linebacker? We got Chaz Chambliss. Okay, um, Chaz is a solid player. Does anyone really see Chaz Chambliss as like a an All SEC outside linebacker, like a number one get pass rush type guy? I think he's a good player and he can absolutely absolutely play a role for us. I love his motor. He's got good strength. All those things. He moves better than people give him credit for. But I don't know if he's the number one guy. Then you got MJ Sherman, who's apparently been passed up by Chaz Chambliss. He's a guy that was a former five star one time. I guess at the end of his cycle, he ended up being a four star. But still a highly recruited guy. Dan Lanning was all over him, and uh, we were able to sign him. Had high hopes for him. I still have high hopes for him. He's still young. He's still got. He's had some some just incredible players ahead of him. Can still be a very good player. But we don't know that right now. And, and even if he is that player, that's two guys, right? Then who else do you have behind them? Xavier Sori, maybe who might be going back to inside linebacker. We don't know. He's kind of like a tweener going back and forth between inside linebacker, outside linebacker. Uh, he's played more inside linebacker now because we have some of those injuries. So guys like Ryan Davis and Tresman Marshall. So he's kind of had to go back to inside linebacker, although we were kind of starting him at outside linebacker. So who are those guys? We don't have them. And that's why landing Marvin Jones Jr., a five-star outside linebacker from American Heritage High School in Florida, a big-time high school football program in Florida, was a huge deal. And for me, again, being a cup half full guy, that overshadows the losses of guys like Shamar James and Kamari Wilson. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say safety is not a position of need. Safety is a position of need for us, but I do not think safety is as much of a position of need for us as outside linebacker will be next year. Because I think we have potential options at safety. We cross-train the defensive backfield all the time. Again, guys like Tyke Smith could play safety. Guys like Javon Buller, Kamari Laster, they've all cross-trained there. They could potentially play safety for us next year. Not to mention, there's that rumor, again, I don't know, but the rumor that Chris Smith might possibly come back next year we'll see what happens there and outside linebacker we just have no quality depth there right now right? no depth to speak of at all we're even with marvin jones jr we're almost certainly gonna have to hit the transfer portal and find somebody to come in and play be an instant impact type guy at outside linebacker but marvin jones jr i don't say it was a can't miss kind of guy like you I, I hate to say this guy you have to land because there's so many different guys that make up your recruiting class but if there was one guy for this class, especially on signing day, it had to be Marvin Jones Jr. This is a, a big-time outside linebacker prospect, number 22 overall in the 247 composite. And look, I hate to put expectations like this on guys, and I really don't like to be in a position where you're counting on true freshmen to come in and be those instant impact players. Sometimes it works out, like Brock Bowers did this year, obviously, but 
you can't make a living off counting on true freshmen to come in and be those impact players in year one. But we're going to need Marvin Jones to, at the very least, be a contributor in year one. And I think he certainly has all the makings, the skill set to be able to do that. He's a really good pass rusher, has a good inside move, uses his hands really, really well, plays with good leverage. He's a long, physical guy, has great get off, 6'4 245. He has all the makings of a big time edge player for us. And so, for me, landing him is a bigger deal than losing Kamari Wilson and Shamar James, just to be honest with you. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. And uh, to add to the good news, we were able to hold on to Julio Humphreys, the guy that was committed to Florida for a while. We were able to flip him. He was actually very vocal once he, once he flipped to us and out there kind of recruiting for us. But he kind of went silent the last couple of days heading up to signing day. And people were like, oh, my God, like what's going on here? Is he going to flip back to Florida? Is Napier trying to get back in there? Started to hear some different things. But at the end of the day, we were able to hold on to him and really hold together a killer defensive back class in this 2022 recruiting class. I know no Kamari last year, but still guys, I mean, again, three five stars in this class in the defensive backfield. Then you throw in another guy uh, in Julian Humphrey, Julio Humphrey, who's a top 100 guy, number 90 nationally in the 247 composite. Ja'Cory Thomas is another four-star guy out of Orlando in the defensive backfield. So we got four guys in the top 90 in, uh, in the country in the defensive backfield. And if you want to go deeper than that, you got three guys that are inside the top 30. That is a killer haul in the defensive backfield. And that, along with outside linebackers, as far as I'm concerned, were the two biggest needs in this class. Yeah, we needed to get a good running back, and we got one in Branson Robinson. Jordan James is a guy that's been committed for a while. It's like he's pushing his signing back to February, but I, I still feel pretty good about him from what I understand. We should be fine there. But I feel really good about what we got in the defensive backfield. And here's the other thing, guys. Let's, let's add to the good news. We're not done yet. There are a couple other guys that I feel really good about that we have not officially announced publicly because they're going to wait to announce their commitments at the All-American game in January. I think it's January 8th, I want to say. Both of them signed today. I can't tell you for 100% sure they signed with Georgia, but they signed with somebody today because the plan for both is to be early enrollees. And to be an early enrollee, you have to sign during the early signing period, at least by Friday. Uh, and that's Ernest Green, the offensive lineman, offensive tackle from California, and Christian Miller from here in Georgia, Cedar Grove High School. Both big-time players. Uh, Miller's a defensive tackle. Now, I, I haven't been able to confirm that Miller did sign with a program today, but that was the plan. I think that's ultimately what ended up happening. Um, but definitely Ernest Green, I know, has signed with somebody, and he's going to make that public on January the 8th. And I feel really good about our chances with both those guys. This was gonna be, it was a battle. You know, we had been uh, recruiting Green really hard for a while. Alabama got in there the last couple you know, weeks, month or so of the season. He took an official visit there. He's actually at the SEC Championship game. Obviously, that was a good look for Bama, not so much for us. And it looked like things were starting to trend away from us. But our coaching staff did a really good job. You got to give Kirby credit. I got to give Matt Luke credit here. We were able to get back in 
there and regain the momentum and uh, and retake the the lead for Green late in this process. And then that's big for us guys. And again, I don't I can't tell you for sure he signed with us, but I, I feel good about it from what I hear. We should feel good about that. And he'll announce on January eighth. But if we do end up landing him, that's big because like our signing class on the offensive line has been okay. It's been solid. It's been fine. But we don't have like those big time headliners. A guy like Ernest Green would certainly be that. I still like who we've got on the offensive line. I'm really intrigued by Alu Ba from IMG. He's big six foot five, three twenty-five. If you watch him on tape, he's a big physical guy. I think he moves well. He looks like he bends pretty well. I think he'd be a tag a good tackle prospect. I also like what I've seen out of Jacob Hood on tape. And it's really hard to judge offensive linemen on tape, guys, because usually they're just so much bigger and stronger. If they're power five guys. They're just so much physically better and more dominant physically than everyone they play against. It's just, it's hard to really tell. So you got to look at like technical things and the kind of athletes they are. I think they both have good feet. They're both huge. I mean, Jacob Hood is 6'8", 340. I mean, he's a big dude, but he moves well for a guy that size. He bends pretty well. So I think he can be another tackle prospect. Uh, adding Drew Bobo, okay, we'll see him. He's a, he's got a good frame, 6'5", 300. I think he's more of a project. I certainly don't expect him to be an early contributor in any way, shape, or form. I think he's a guy that maybe, you know, by his fourth or fifth year on, on campus could, could factor in the equation. But he's certainly a good depth piece, and he's a project with maybe some high upside with, with a good frame. Certainly needs to get into a college weight program and continue to get bigger and add more mass and just improve his strength there. But we add him late. Maybe that, obviously that has more to do probably with his dad potentially joining our coach staff in some capacity. Griffin Scroggs is a guy on the interior of the offensive line uh, out of Grayson, who's a good player. Uh, plays with a really high motor. He's kind of one of those old school throwback nasty offensive linemen. I don't know if he has as high of an upside as other guys, but I do think he's a guy that kind of like in the vein of, of Drew Bobo. Give him a couple years in the system and maybe he can he can start to rise to the top. Maybe like a guy like um, Justin Schaefer, let's say, for example. And then potentially, now I don't know if I feel great about our chances here, but look, the only big time guy that, that's left up there that we're kind of involved with that's waiting until February to the traditional signing day to make his announcement would be defensive tackle Shamar Stewart. He's another guy out of Florida. He's a top 10 overall prospect. We've been recruiting him for a while. He's made some visits. Do I think we lead for him right now? No, based off what I hear. No, it doesn't seem that way. But we're going to have a chance basically to go all in on him the last couple months of, the, of this signing period and potentially try to try to land a guy like that. You can just kind of take a flyer at him. I, I, and look, we don't know. Kirby's a great closer. Kirby's an, an elite recruiter. And when you have that one guy to focus on left in the class, then maybe maybe he can pull off something there. We'll see. But that's just another name to watch out for. But Ernest Green and Christian Miller would be the two other ones to watch as we get closer to the All-American Games in January. But all in all, guys, I know we didn't land everybody. No program landed everybody they wanted. Even Alabama did not land everybody they wanted. It looks like we're going to finish at the very least with another top three class in the 247 composite with a chance to be potentially one or two based off some of those those late guys and how we finish. You go into the All-American Games and uh, into February with the traditional signing period. I don't think we'll end up with the number one overall class or probably be number two or three, but still an elite recruiting class, another elite recruiting class for Kirby Smart. And I'll also say this before we get out of here, guys. Don't forget, in the era of the transfer portal, where you end up ranked in the actual like high school recruiting rankings doesn't really bear as much weight as it used to. As long as you're somewhere in the ballpark, even if you don't have the number one class, as long as you're like, you know, one, two, three, four, maybe somewhere inside the top five there, and you hold some spots for transfers, which we clearly are going to do. We're going to sign somewhere between probably 29 and 31 guys, probably now 
probably more like 29-ish, maybe maybe 28, something like that. But we're going to hold some scholarships for transfers. With a transfer portal, you absolutely have to do that. You have to be able to fill those immediate needs, like outside linebackers, safety potentially, maybe an impact wide receiver. So even though we might only have two or three guys we're looking at the high school level, there are still plenty of guys that we could add to this roster through the transfer portal. And, and that, that's an expectation. That's going to happen. So when you look at recruiting classes, not only nowadays, not only do you look at the, the players you're bringing in from high school as freshmen, but you've also got to factor in the transfers as well. And I think when all the dust is settled and everything is off the table, we've got all the, the transfers that made their decisions, all the high school players made their decisions. I think the guys we're bringing into our roster will be as good as any team in America. But all right, guys. That's all I got for you today. We will definitely talk a lot more about this recruiting class. Again, my power went out, so it's kind of a mess tonight, but I did want to get on here and share some initial reaction thoughts to you. Curtis will get on here over the next couple of weeks and share his thoughts as well. Send us any questions you've got. We'll answer those in the mailbag. And of course, as we get closer to the traditional signing period when everything is all wrapped up with a nice bow, we'll come back and revisit the entire recruiting class as a whole. We'll break down each player. We'll give you our thoughts on them. We'll give you our signing class superlatives, all those things. All that will be coming for you guys down the road. But I did want to share some thoughts with you today. I know you guys uh, are all hyped about recruiting right now. We want to make sure we did not fail you guys on that. But thank you for listening, guys. I do appreciate it. I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs. <laughs>